Okay. Good morning. Yeah. Have some more be coming in. I can see them out there before they shut the doors. So make room. If they come in and want to sit by you, give them room. Having said that, if you've got your bulletin, uh, I'd like to point out to you a couple of things there. As always, if you are a guest, this is your first, second, third time, would you please fill out the registration, rip that off, drop it in the offering plate when it comes around a little bit later. Um, tonight is super sixth grade. They'll be moving up into the youth. So if you got sixth graders, this is their night. Come and be a part of the youth group. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you there. Uh, also, right after this service, uh, Pastor Steve is going to meet with anybody that's interested in helping with our handyman ministry. That's something that like every now and then we'll need somebody that will... Um, uh, go and help maybe fix something at someone's house that they can't afford or, or get it done. And so that's, it's a great ministry and I uh, would love to have you to be a part of that. All right. Uh, the rest of it, again, scan it and read it for all the other announcements. And that means that right now we're going to ask you to stand and welcome somebody to church and remain standing. Well, before we start worship this morning, we're going to have, bring your eyes right up this way. Before we start worship this morning, um, how many of you are blessed? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've been blessed at this church for at least 13 years with our little drummer boy. <laughs> and Tyler, this is his last service drumming here. <laughs> he is now a teacher. He's grown up and he's a man. <laughs> Let's give him a big hand for service to this church for over, over 13 years. And I have enjoyed every minute of the time I've had with him. Give me that chord. I'm so blessed. Hallelujah, I'm blessed. I'm so blessed. Hallelujah, I'm blessed. Trouble knocking at my door today. I ain't gonna let it in. Won't wanna steal my joy away.
You unravel me. That's a great song, wasn't it? With a melody. Sing with me. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my
present where two or more of your children are together, Father. We are here in your name to glorify you, to worship you. And you tell us how much you love the church. The church is as a bride. You tell us we are your love and you are our first love, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Accept our offerings as a gift of our worship, Father. As we prepare our hearts to continue to worship you in Jesus' precious name. stand together as we continue to worship. Someone, I think it was in this service, asked me last week to do this song. And I said, I can do this song every day, every hour, every week. I want to be reminded that when I see no way, when I have no hope, Jesus is the way. He's always the way. He's never going to let you down. Whether you see it or whether you don't, He is there. He is there. My way maker, your way maker.
Father, that you are our way maker, that your name is above every other name, that your name is above sickness, disease, loneliness, depression, hurt, anger, fear, that God, your life and your love sustains us and lifts us up, that you are holy, Father. We worship you for that this morning because you are set apart. You are not like us. You are, you are higher than us. And we worship you because you are worthy. Bless us this morning as we listen to your, to your word. Be with the pastor as he brings it. God, be in our hearts today to remember who you are. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, good to see folks coming in. And still trying to find a place to sit. That's kind of, we've got some empty seats, but we'll figure that out in a week or two. Thank you, guys and gals. Got your notes ready? All right. Folks, this is probably one of the most important messages that I've preached in a long, long time. This is one that will, can absolutely change my life and your life. So uh, take good notes and listen as we go all the way through this. We're been, we've been in a series, we're in a series on trusting God in tough times. And we spent the first two Sundays on one sermon, and that was of trusting God when you go through the changes of life. You know, the, and there are changes. Some are good, some are not so good, but they all create stress and, and how we can trust God in going through that. So that's on the internet if you wanted to go to the website and, and uh, pick up on that. But what I'd like to do today is talk about trusting God through trouble. Anybody ever go through trouble? And, and I'm not talking about, you know, like the light didn't turn green fast enough or, you know, your steak wasn't cooked the right way. I'm not talking about that. I mean going through trouble. So... Um, Hardship, maybe that's a better word for some of you, going through hardship. Now, in your notes, there, I, this week, when I was, well, it wasn't this week, it was the week before, when I was giving these notes to my secretary in order to get them ready for the bulletin, I left out the first point. So I'm going to give you the first point. It's the very first thing in a minute, not right now, but in a minute, I'll give you the first thing that you'll need to write down when we talk about uh, trusting the Lord. Um, you know, I, I believe sometimes, even in church, we use words so often um, that they just kind of become commonplace. And we don't stop sometimes and think about, well, what does that word really mean? So when we're talking about trusting God uh, in tough times, um, we need to know what we're talking about with that word trust. So what I want to do, <clears throat> first of all, is give you four definitions there's three fill-in-the-blanks in your nose, but I'm going to give you the first one. Write this one down right up above, if you can, right above it. And that is this, to trust. It's to allow someone to do something <clears throat> without fearing the outcome. Allowing somebody to do something without fearing the outcome. <clears throat> now, I'm a lot better at this now than I was 40 years ago. Uh, but I have to confess to you that I had a hard time doing this with people. I had a hard time as a young pastor delegating and giving jobs to other people. I mean, because after all, what if they mess up? 
And what if they don't do it the way that I would do it? Now, don't look at me like that, like you've never done that before, especially all you moms. But, um, you know, what if they fail? You know, that those kind of things go through your mind. So when you are trusting God, uh, you have to delegate. You have to allow him. Are you listening? You have to allow him to do what he wants to do without fearing the outcome. That means, and I'm going to make a statement, but don't hold on to that. Let me move quickly to explain that. That means that I've got to be willing to let God fail. Whoa, wait a second, wait a minute. See, now I've got a problem because God never fails. Amen? God is never going to fail. Um, and so, therefore, that means if I'm really trusting God, then I've got to let him do what he wants to do and do it on his own terms and in his own timing and not fear the outcome for me. There's a verse in a uh, kind of a rare that anybody knows about it, book in the Old Testament. In fact, many of you probably think, I didn't even know that was in there. It's called Nahum. And there's a verse in there that says this, the Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. And I want you to think about that for just a moment. That, you see, my tendency is that whenever I'm facing a storm in life, when I see trouble coming, I want to run away from that storm, don't you? I want to run away from it. But folks, you'll learn after you live enough years that, that it's true. The quickest way to get around something is to go right through it. You know, just get, make a beeline and go right through it. So if there's clouds on your horizon right now, there's trouble, maybe it's just the, the dust of the feet of the Lord, and we're going to have to follow him. Now, there's a couple of stories in the New Testament. We're not, we're not going to look into them in any depth today, but I just want to mention them. There's a couple of stories where Jesus' disciples, they found themselves in a storm. One time, Jesus was with them. In fact, the Bible says he was asleep in the boat while they were in a storm. Anybody ever feel like that, that Jesus was asleep? I mean, you, you knew you had him in the boat, but it's just like he, he was asleep. Um, but another time, he comes walking on the water, and here's the point. In both of those storms, they, are you listening? This is important. They are in that storm because they were doing what Jesus told them to do right? They were there because they were doing what Jesus told them to do. They're obeying him. They've not done anything wrong. They're doing everything right. But because they're following Jesus, they find themselves in the middle of a storm. But folks, there were lessons there that they learned that they're not going to learn anywhere else under any other circumstance than this. It happened in the storm. And there are things that we will learn about ourselves, things that we will learn about God, things that we will learn about life that we can only learn <clears throat> when he takes us through a storm and we go through trouble in our life. We have got to be willing to let God do what he wants to do and not fear the outcome. So we got that? Psalm 56, 11 says, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. Number two, here's another definition of trust, another meaning. It is from an Old Testament biblical word. It means to run into a shelter or a hiding place, 
to run into a shelter or a hiding place, meaning to take refuge in something, to take refuge in something. There it is. Write it down. So when you read the book of Psalms, you're going to find this man named David wrote a bunch of them. And in fact, here's what David says over and over. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my hiding place. The Lord is, I'm in the shadow of his wings. All these things is what he's talking about of actually trusting him by running into him. See, there are some things you can do. You say, Lord, that's great. But how do you actually do something like that? I mean, that's a beautiful phrase, but how do you hide in God? How do you do that? Well, I wrote down two things from my life that I believe maybe would help you. One of them, the first thing is this, I hide myself in the word of God. I hide myself in the word of God. I'm going to get into the scriptures. I'm going to find something in the word of God. I'm going to think about it. In fact, I'm going to think deeply about it. I'm going to repeat it over and over again to myself because I have found that whenever I fill my mind with God's word, he fills my heart with his peace. And that will happen to you. Another thing that I like to do besides that is I like to create an atmosphere of worship. And, and, and that means not just what we do here for 20 or 30 minutes on <clears throat> Sunday morning. I'm talking about all during the week. <clears throat> in fact, in my office, most all the time when I'm doing anything, studying or reading, I have really, really low um, playing these real, real soft, instrumental only kind of, uh, I don't know what you'd call them, meditation type things, but they're just very, very soft music. And then sometimes I want to do the praise and worship and I turn on the loud stuff, you know, and I turn on the high beat stuff and, and so forth. <clears throat> so I found that these two things, and then I added a third one last night <clears throat> and it was this, I quit watching so much news. And I mean, I did this seven or eight years ago and it's made a big difference in my life. Uh, the anxiety, the depression, it has made a big difference in my life. And that doesn't mean I've stuck my head in the sand, but it means that I'm just not watching that stuff all the time. I used to justify it by saying, well, I'm doing that because I, I need to keep up on current events so I can preach the relevant messages. Well, you don't need to watch but about five minutes, you know, and, that's, and you've got it down. And I have found, folks, listen, it has changed my mind. It really is true. When you read the paper, 80% of that is all negative about what is wrong, who was arrested, who did this, what's the conflict with this group or that group. The same is true with news that you watch on TV. And I just want to tell you, yeah, we're headed in, a, in, a, in, a, in, in the wrong direction. We're going to talk about that on Wednesday nights coming up. But there's still a lot of good. I mean, I, mean, I think about all these, like, what is there, 15,000? kids about in our school school system I don't know about 15,000 maybe in the whole system and let me tell you something you you will read about or hear about the very few that are messing it up a majority of them are good kids and the same thing is true you know just out in the world there's a whole bunch of people that are good people but we focus on on the bad and I have found that that helps me tremendously um, you know to hide myself in the Lord. So Psalm 91 says, 
He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. There's another one, Psalm 57. In you my soul takes refuge. I take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I like that. Isn't that neat? You hide in the Lord until that trouble or that disaster has passed. And I love that, that picture of, of God with these big old huge wings. You know, and he's, there's shadow, of course, and I'm just underneath it right there. What's going to mess with me there, you know? Here's another definition of trust. It means <clears throat> to lean the weight of your soul on another. <clears throat> to lean the weight of your soul on another. On their faithfulness, on their integrity, on their reliability, on their friendship. The biblical picture here is that of a ladder against a wall. And against a wall that won't move. I mean, all of us that have ever, you know, used a, a ladder, an extension ladder, and we've gone and we've put it up against maybe a tree or a small tree or something like that, and that thing started moving, we know get off. You know, but he's, he's talking here about this ladder being up against a solid rock wall, and it's not moving, and you don't, you don't mind how high you climb because you know it's going to protect you. So what, are the, what David's saying is, what are you leaning your life on? So we go to Proverbs chapter 3, and we read this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That means you're fully committed, and lean not on your own understanding. The fourth definition I have of trust is this, to take someone at his word. To take someone at his word. Friends take friends at their word. Probably all of us in here, we have a few people. We probably don't have a whole bunch, but we've got a few people that if they tell us they're going to do something, we know it's going to get done. Unless they can't physically do it and God steps in, we know we can trust their word. You see, and I'm saying that to say this. You can't say, yeah, I, you know, I'm trusting God, but I'm just not sure I believe what he says. It doesn't work that way. You know, or, or Lord, you know, I'm going to trust you to meet my needs, but I'm just not sure the Bible's really true. To, to trust God is to step out in faith and take him at his word. Amen. Take him at his word. But in order to take God at his word, what do you have to do? Know the word. In order to take him at his word, you got to know what the word says. And you got to believe that it's true. So I say, Lord, you told me that you'll never leave me. So I'm taking you at your word. You told me that you, if I will make you a priority, you'll meet every one of my needs. I'm taking you at your word. And Lord, you said that you will, you will give me the strength to do whatever it is I need to do. I'm taking you at your word. I believe you. So when the Lord says to you, do you trust me, you've got a decision to make. And folks, let me just tell you this. When you make a decision to fully trust the Lord and give him all of your life. I don't care what you've heard from a pastor on TV or anywhere else. I'm just going to tell you this. When you even make a decision, I am going to fully commit myself to the Lord. Your problems will not all disappear. It just doesn't happen that way. 
what will happen is your perspective on those troubles will change. And you will see life differently. It will change how you look at things. You know, the Apostle Paul, I believe, knew this better than anybody else. Because the Apostle Paul went through troubles like I don't know anybody else that has ever been through that before. Paul was beaten. Paul was imprisoned. Paul was shipwrecked. He was snake bit. He would, that would have done it for me. The rest of it would have been minor compared to that. He was whipped. He was put in chains. He was stoned and left for dead. He was thrown into dungeons. But he had a perspective. He had a faith-filled life. So we read what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 4. Here's what he said about all these things that I just read to you. We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, light, shipwreck, snake bit, all of that, that's what he said, they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, obviously, he's talking here about seeing with the eyes of your heart. Not, not our physical eyes. I know that because in two other places, one in Ephesians, he makes this statement. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which God has called you. So he's talking about seeing with the eyes of your heart. And folks, when, you, when the eyes of your heart become enlightened, then you see things like God sees them. And they make sense to you. And you say, oh, now, yeah, I get that. It gives you hope. It gives you a new perspective on the trouble that you're going through. Now, let me just tell you for a minute or two here about trouble. You, uh, many of you in here right now, you may be going through a, uh, your own kind of trouble. And I could start naming all the different areas, but, but you know the one that you're dealing with. And what I would like to share with you is this. In order, I had a bunch of things in my notes I was going to share, but I'm not. Uh, I'm going to condense it. In order, when we go through trouble, you go, you're going to have to go through a process. Did you know that? It is a process. How many of you in here grow flowers? Anybody grow flowers? You like to grow flowers? See them again? Hands up. You grow flowers. All right, a lot of you. All right, well, <clears throat> you know that when you grow flowers that you have, it usually, unless you buy them already uh, that have already sprouted, if, you, if you're planting those things from seed, then you know that you've got to take that old dry, hard seed and you got to do what with it? You got to put it in the ground, don't you? Okay, and it's dead to start with. Now I'm I'm getting somewhere, so stay with me. Um, there's a there's a, a house out on Pine Ridge Boulevard when I go home, and I and it, I thought it was Pine Ridge and Cheyenne, but I found out this morning it's not. It's the road right after that. But there's there's a house there, and the man that lives in this house, he um, always won these awards years ago for uh, having a Florida yard. And it had all the different kind of Florida drought resistant and, and things that the Florida climate would, would handle. And he had all these beautiful flowers. And I would go down once in a while, turn down and, and roses everywhere. And, and all these different kind of flowers. Well, there's one kind of a flower that I didn't know anything about. 
I never knew it existed. And I, I'm wondering if any of you ever have heard of a flower called a moonflower. Anybody? A moonflower. Well, I found out about a moonflower. It's called that because it only opens at night. And as soon as the sun comes up, it'll shut up and, and kind of opposite of a sunflower. It's called a moonflower. And it's beautiful. And it's like one of them big old um, uh, moon pies that I used to love to eat. You know, about that big, really, really beautiful. But the seed, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm trying to teach you something here. The seed... The seed of that moonflower is extremely hard. It's dry and extremely hard. And before they plant it, which I don't know of any other seed they do that to, but they take a little knife or something and they make a notch in it. They cut it before they put it in the ground. Before it can come out and before, and I'm telling you that because it's a great word picture of that passage that we just read in 2 Corinthians, how our troubles achieve a far greater glory that outweighs all the things that we went through. If you've planted seeds before, you know that in order to get to the glory, to the beauty of that thing germinating and blooming when it grows up, you got to go through trouble. That seed has got to be dead, and it's hard, and it's got to be put in the ground, buried, before you can even realize the glory that's going to come. So Paul says this. Now, getting back to my text, that same passage in 2 Corinthians 4, if we go up a few verses to verses 8 and 9, here's what we read. Paul's talking about all those things that they went through. He says this, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Now those are in your notes. Are you looking at those either up there in your notes? Are you looking at those? Because I want to tell you something, folks, this is good stuff right here. This is stuff you can take home with you. And live on this tonight. There are some wonderful things in each of those, those phrases. It is something very small, but it is very, very significant. Do you know what it is? It's the commas. Look at the commas as I read this again. We are hard pressed on every side, comma, but not crushed. Perplexed, comma but not in despair, persecuted, comma, but not abandoned, struck down, comma, but not destroyed. So here's my question, church. Which side of the comma are we going to live on? Amen? Which side are we going to live on? Do you want to live on the trouble side of the comma, or do you want to live on the trusting side of the comma? It's a choice that we can make. If you're on the trouble side of the comma, you may be saying, I am hard-pressed right now. I feel like I'm under pressure, like a seed. I feel like I'm being buried alive. Well, that's the trouble side of the comma. But the trusting side, the faith side says, yeah, but I won't be crushed. The trouble side of the comma may say, yeah, I am perplexed today. I don't understand what's going on. None of this makes sense. I don't know how much longer I can go through this. I kind of feel like I'm stretched to my limit. But if you're living on the trusting side of the comma, the faith side, you'll say, but I'm not going to despair. I'm not going to lose heart in this. 
If you're living on the trouble side of the comma, you may feel like you're being persecuted. But if you're on the trusting side of the comma, the faith-filled side of the comma, you're going to say, I'm not abandoned, and God will never turn his back on me. Amen? Struck down, same thing. You know, struck down, maybe I feel like I've been notched. Someone stabbed me in the back. That's how I kind of feel, like that seed you said had to be cut. My dreams have turned into nightmares. But if you're on the trusting side of the comma, you said, yeah, but I will not be destroyed because God is with me. If you're trusting God and living on the faith-filled side of the comma, you may be broke today, but you're not poor. Your, cat, your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And last time I checked, he owned the hills too. And he's promised that he'll meet your needs. You may be unemployed, but you're not worthless. You may be knocked down, but you're not knocked out. Amen? Which side of the comma are you going to live on? Right now, your trouble might be financial. It might be the marriage. It might be something going on with your kids, your business, your home. But whatever kind of trouble you're going through, you have to decide, am I going to live on the trouble side or the faith-filled side? You see, folks, that moonflower seed, it can sit on a shelf for years and years, and nothing will ever come of it. Nothing will grow out of it because, listen, these are so important. The beauty is not released until it begins the process of trouble, and that's being buried in the ground. There's something about the dirt being buried in the ground that begins to release the beauty for which God created it in the first place. And weeks may go by without any sign of life, but if you're, if you're any kind of a gardener, you know it will eventually start to sprout. And the troubles that you're going through, some of you right now, it may last for weeks, it may last for months, it may last for years. And you, listen, you can't go out there and keep digging up the seed to see if it's working. Because every time you dig it up, now you've got to start the process all over again. And for some of you that God's been speaking to your heart, but you've not been listening, he's going to take you back through things over and over and over again till you learn the process. And you respond the right way during the process. You see, you've got to believe that God is not going to abandon you. And you've got to trust what God has said that he will do. I wrote this down. The seed of trouble, when it's planted in the soil of faith and cared for by the master gardener, that's God, will bring forth life and beauty in its season. Do you believe that? Remember to trust God, hide in him, get into his work. And, and by the way, in case I don't say this later, I know it's somewhere in the notes. God is not going to allow you, if you're living for him, if you are sold out to him, committed to him in the trouble that you're in, if you've given it to him totally, you will not go through it any longer than he knows is necessary. It won't last a minute longer. So what trouble are you facing today? Though inwardly, or outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. You say, preacher, I feel I, I'm losing my job. There's life in that seed. You say, preacher, my marriage is in trouble. There's life in that seed. 
Preacher, my health is not good. There's life in that seed. Whatever suffering, whatever trouble, God, we sing about it, is working in ways that we can't see. He will grow joy out of your sorrow. He will grow peace out of your trouble. He will grow patience out of your adversity. He will grow kindness out of your mistreatment. He will grow compassion out of your painful experience if you will surrender the process to him. Amen? And as I said, someone asked me at the end of the first service, well, how long is this process going to take? And I said, well, just like I told you in the message, some plants take them a few days and you see results and others it takes a lot longer than that. But just like I said a minute ago, it will not, you will not, it will not last any longer than God knows it's necessary for you to go through it. All right. Now that brings me to the last five things and they're going to go in about one minute's time. So you got to write fast, maybe two minutes. What can I do to cooperate with God? What can I do to cooperate with God in this process of turning trouble into beauty? What can I do? Number one, feed on the Word of God. Feed on the Word of God. Try, if you can, to do a little bit every day. You may not be able to sit down to a five-course meal you know, read eight or nine chapters, but maybe you can read a few verses, get a quick bite, you know, go through the drive-thru, get a quick bite. So get into the Word of God. Secondly, pray for the reign of the Holy Spirit. Pray for the reign. You say, what do you mean by that? Pray for the Holy Spirit to come, the reign of the Holy Spirit, and soften the ground of your heart. Soften the ground of your heart and water that seed. Third, pull some weeds. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, anxiety, bitterness, worry, unforgiveness. You may have to pull those out of your garden. Number four, guard against the bugs. You know, the snails and the roly-polies and the things that come to you say, what do you mean? Habits, addictions, things that you keep going right back to that you know God has asked you to give up and you haven't done that yet. They're bugs. They'll, they'll, ruin, they'll ruin the growth. And then the last thing, and this will be the last, prepare for a harvest. Prepare for a harvest. You know, there's a verse, I believe it's in Psalm that says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Let's pray. I just want us for a moment to quiet ourselves, And I want to give you the opportunity to tell the Lord what's troubling you now. What's that seed? What's that problem? Just go ahead and tell him. He knows, but tell him so that you know he knows. And maybe in the quietness of your heart, you'd say, Lord, 
I'm, I'm near an end on this. I, I need your help. I, I want to trust you in this. And I believe and I'm taking you at your word that you won't let me go through something, that you won't give me the strength to endure it. Lord, I want to live on the trusting side of the comma. I want to hide in you and find my protection till this storm has passed. And if you're here today and you need to open your life to Christ and give him your heart for the first time and know that it's done, then you can ask him right now in the quietness at this moment and say, Lord Jesus, I trust you as my Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with you. And I trust your death, your shed blood, your resurrection. I trust it. I'm giving you my life today. I'm opening my heart to you. Forgive me of my sin. In Jesus' name. Let's stand and sing this chorus together. Something beautiful. Something good. All my confusion. He understood. All I had to offer him. Brokenness and strife. He made something beautiful my life. Sing that again. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, buddy, he understood. All I have to offer him is brokenness and strife. He made something beautiful, my life. Lord, thank you for that privilege that we have of coming to you with our brokenness and knowing that you can take it and plant it and beauty will come out of it. In Christ we pray, amen.